0: Coaching can help you gain deeper understanding of challenges that may be holding you back. You may not realize that there are others who may be successful and operating successful businesses who share some of the same challenges that you are facing. Welcome to Coaching for Real with Ronald Graves. Our program will look into the individuals and their challenges and show how the coaching process may be what they need to find the root causes of these challenges within themselves and learn to work through these challenges in order to find success. Now, here's your host, Ronald Graves.
1: Hello, welcome to Coaching for Real, brought to you by Poema Leadership Institute, the show that brings you real people, real challenges, and real breakthrough. Again, I'm your host, Ronald Graves, and this show is about you. Coaching for Real is on the Voice America Business Channel to help you discover your masterpiece and live into your greatness. Let's take a short trip back in time to March 9th, 1972, the day that NASA launched Pioneer 10 from Cape Canaveral, Florida. The primary mission of this satellite was to reach Jupiter, photograph the planet and its moons, take measurements, and send data back to Earth. This was a very aggressive undertaking for that time as no spacecraft had ever ventured beyond the planet Mars. But Pioneer 10, Didn't know that. For eight months, between July 15, 1972 and February 15, 1973, Pioneer 10 became the first spacecraft to transverse the asteroid belt. Nearly nine months later, on November 6, 1973, Pioneer 10 began photographing Jupiter from a distance of 25 million kilometers, or 16 million miles. Exactly four weeks later, Spacecraft reached its closest encounter with the planet a mere 132,000 kilometers or 82,000 miles. All in all, over 500 photographs were beamed back to Earth. But that was not all. As Pioneer 10 struggled to leave the massive planet, solar wind forced the vehicle to cross the bow shock of Jupiter's magnetosphere 17 times before finally escaping. Pioneer 10 then headed outward crossing the orbit of Saturn in 1976 and Uranus in 1979. Then on June 13, 1983, 11 years after its launched, the vehicle crossed the orbit of Neptune, the outermost planet, becoming the first man-made object to travel beyond the major planets of the solar system. Pioneer 10 continued to send signals back to Earth until January 23, 2003, 30 years after its launch, when the final weak signal was received at a distance of 12 billion kilometers, or 7.5 billion miles. It's estimated today that the spacecraft is 10 billion miles from Earth, heading in the direction of the constellation Taurus. You see, Pioneer 10 was designed just to reach Jupiter. But there was a masterpiece within that spacecraft that was capable of greatness. So what about you? Have you reached your Jupiter, only to find that you're caught by the bow shock of the planet's magnetosphere, unable to escape to that next level? You see, it's important to understand that you were created to be great. But unlike Pioneer 10, which is created by man, your greatness is unlimited. There is a masterpiece, a poema, within your DNA that is just waiting to be discovered. And that is precisely what coaching is all about. A coach enables you to develop a greater sense of self-awareness so you can see your challenges from an entirely new perspective and then draw upon your internal greatness to reach the next level. So let me explain the Coaching for Real show format. Our guests are real people, business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, just like you, with real challenges, just like yours. After we introduce our guests and spend some time getting to know them and their business, most shows will feature a live coaching session designed to help our guests achieve a real breakthrough, just like we all want. Today's guest is Michael Mendes, founder and CEO of Tasty Minstrel Games, a multiple award-winning publisher of hobby board games. In this capacity, Michael has grown TMG from a side business into a company approaching $2 million in annual revenues with a team of 10 people, all without any outside investment. TMG has received over 2.5 million in funds from backers on Kickstarter from 26 individual hobby board gaming projects. As founder and CEO, Michael has done it all, including, but not limited to, game design and development, marketing and marketing strategies, sales, international marketing, Manufacturing and Shipping Logistics, Financial Management, Inventory Forecasting and Health Determination, Talent Acquisition, Leading Lean and Agile Initiatives, and Discovering Game Designers. So welcome me. Join me in welcoming our guest, Michael Mindis. Michael, how are you?
2: I'm great, Ron. Thanks for that introduction. It makes me uh, sound super awesome. I uh... I try to uh, just improve every day, and uh, hearing it all back, it's like,
1: wow, this guy's cool. Yeah, accomplished a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much for being on our show. Michael, can you take us through your career journey up to that point where you decided to start Tasty Minstrel Games?
2: Sure. It's uh, it's a relatively simple career journey, as it were, uh, because... I, I had some jobs prior to graduating from college. Uh, when I graduated from college, I went into being a financial advisor, uh, working with my, my father. Uh, my wife and I had a, our first child coming, coming along. Um, so after much debate, I, I did want to publish games at that time, but I realized I could get a much more sound financial future by deciding to work with my father. And I thought, I'd be good at it. So I proceeded with that. I worked as a financial advisor at AG Edwards. I uh, was a top performer for new guys over there. I got a certified financial planner designation and, and so on. And But uh, despite being a, a good earner and enjoying my job and being good at it, it still wasn't games. And after what was, I don't know, the fourth or fifth or twelfth time that I would come home and say, you know, this is great but I really wish I was doing game stuff my wife said, alright uh, you know, we're going to be married for a very long time and I don't want to hear uh, what's ifs what ifs and could have beens and I wish I did that, so you better figure out what you're going to do and uh, that's where my career was up until I started publishing games
1: Alright I'm curious. We're getting to that point now where you're starting to originate the, uh, the company. Where, where did the name come from? So the
2: name is a reference. It's a Monty Python reference.
1: Okay. Uh,
2: Robin and uh, the Holy Grail. Robin's minstrels, the guys who play the instruments, are super annoying. And then there's the winter that goes into another winter, and they run out of food, and they eat Robin's minstrels and there was much rejoicing, so name comes from that. I figured there wouldn't be rejoicing if they weren't tasty, so. <laughs> All
1: right. I like that. Okay, can you talk to us about, we're, we're here now where you're getting ready to launch Tasty menstrual Games. Mm-hmm. Talk, to, talk to us about the challenges that you were faced with when you decided to start your own company. So the main challenge that I
2: was faced with was that I had no clue what I was doing. I mean, I understood games. I loved games. I had been playing games my whole life and devoting all of my extra time to playing, thinking about, and and so forth with games. Uh, But I had no clue about uh, delivering products, getting things shipped, getting ocean freight to, to happen, getting things manufactured. So I had to learn everything from zero to able
1: (laughs) well there seems to be a lot of games on the market I mean there probably was then too what um, what made you think that you could add to that big market of games that are in all the stores that you go in and uh, be successful Um,
2: well there's two aspects to that I think One was I I, I didn't really have an option. I had to do something. Uh, Or I was going to have that nag for the rest of my life. Uh, The other factor is that I really knew what I liked. I had a lot of play experience with games, but also thought experience about what what a game was like, what made this one good and made that one bad. And uh, I thought I could apply that um, and was able to successfully
1: do it. Yeah. Good. Good. So what you're telling me is that it, it came from your experience in trying all the other products, or maybe not all of them, but most of them, and then figure out what was good, what was bad, what pleased you, and how you thought you could play on that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Excellent. Good. So you're ready to go now. What, what fears did you have to overcome? I'm sure there was something there that just sort of said, I don't know about this. Sure.
2: One of the, the biggest fears that I had going into it, because one of the games that we launched with Homesteaders is really, really excellent game design. And one of my main worries was what if there's no more, what if this is the best we can ever do? And, uh, that uh, that just proved to not be a a worry that needed to be worried about over time, but every once in a while there'd be another game like, oh, this game is really really good, and, and it's equal to. it, But what if this is like the last good game that we're going to find? Now that doesn't bother me so much because we've made a lot of product and
1: and we are prepared to make even more. So. You get a game that you know you think is great, and you put it out in the market and it sounds to me like the market agrees with that and purchases that game. How do you come up with the next game idea?
2: So thankfully uh, that, yeah that's a that's a big problem because the the game design aspect so before we get it we is very, very labor intensive and it's very uh, speculative in nature. Sometimes you you could spend uh, three weeks working on a game uh, from zero to uh, three weeks later, you know, talking like 40 hours a week, and get to that point and say, yep, not working, and just have to throw it in the trash. Um, so what we do is we license game designs from game designers, pay them royalties, and so forth. So what we really do is more like uh, what Simon & Schuster or Scholastic does for books.
1: We do for hobby tabletop gigs. Okay. Interesting. Now, how did you start out doing that right away, or did you just sort of evolve into it?
2: Uh, so we, we did start uh, with an exterior design and an interior design. Um, my, a friend of mine has been with me. From the beginning of the business, uh, and he's a very good game designer and game developer. And so, a lot of what we brought in as far as products comes from either out of his mind, or he sees something that someone else was working on and says, "Hey, we might want to do that. That's interesting to me." And and go through the process of making it even better.
1: Okay. So in. Uh... It sounds to me like these are just huge brainstorming events. From you know, that you're in the with lots of thought coming in and and, and you know, creative ideas that had you know, there are no limits. Does that kind of describe it. Yeah. Okay. Uh,
2: so the the limits help to constrain it, but yeah,
1: somewhat. Okay. Okay. Good. So when you start, let's go back a little bit now. When you just started, what was was there one deciding factor that convinced you? to go for it? Uh, the deciding factor
2: that convinced me to go for it was that uh, I had my wife who said, you better do something. I had a secure job. Uh, I had small children. That wasn't a deciding factor, It was, but it was an important decision-making factor. Um, and the, the fact that I had sufficient cash to start, so we didn't start our first games were not on Kickstarter, but I had sufficient cash to fund the manufacturing of a couple of games, and so, you know, verify with my wife, are we okay if if we use this money and it disappears? Yes. Okay. And that those were the deciding factors. I mean, they're, they're relatively simple in hindsight, but uh, still difficult to make at the time, I bet.
1: Let's go back to the, the first games you said. You said Homesteaders was, was the first. Is that correct? One of two. We did two One at of the same two. time, but yes. How did they do? Relative to what you expected, uh, I guess. They did very well. We were uh, printing 2,000. Um,
2: I wanted two so that I could make a good deal, save on shipping them, sell them direct to some folks. Uh, and I had previously uh, bribed people to pay attention to me by... Uh, sweepstakes style, giving away games that I wasn't playing anymore out of my, my own collection. And uh, we made 2,000 of each and we sold probably 500 or 600 direct and uh, went forth and
1: started selling the distribution and just kept moving forward. And when you say you sold direct, how did you do that?
2: I uh, I don't recall exactly probably a PayPal buy button on a website. Okay. I, I know it involved PayPal. Okay, so I okay. don't know as if it involved
1: as... a button that someone went there or or what? Okay. I don't recall. How did how did your audience uh find your game? Or how did how did you get the the, the market out? It's just you do it? that was it?
2: uh, email list that I bribe people okay. and um, okay. leveraging the the Major online
1: community board game geek for my. Okay. So there is a, a community. Yes, sir. Okay. So that's where you started. Excellent. All right, well we're getting close to our first commercial break, and uh, I will um, when when we come back after the, the commercial, I want to um, I want to ask Michael about his why. Um, it's a question that I haven't asked too often, but. But we're going to spend our hour here talking about, the, and we have been, talking about the what and the how. But during the commercial break, don't you think about your why, Michael, and uh, we'll get to that as soon as we're back. So we're approaching the first commercial break. Um, we will discuss the why and a few other things. We'll have um, plenty of questions, and we will start our coaching session uh, after the break. So stay tuned. We will be back in a couple of minutes. You're listening to Coaching for Real. On the Voice America Business Channel.
0: Follow us on Twitter at Voice TRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's Voice America TRN. Imagine a relationship where you're asked to think rather than being told what to think. A relationship that is focused on your potential, not your performance. This is Coaching, a designed alliance where the single purpose is achieving your intended outcome. Discover that what lies behind you and what lies before you are trivial matters compared to what lies within you. Understand that your current realities do not define your potential. They are merely your current awareness of your potential. Become your own hero. Your greatest possibilities lie beneath your current level of self-awareness. Waiting to be discovered. Choose to live into the greatness that God created for you. Discover the magnitude of what's within you so you can conquer the magnitude of what surrounds you. Your coach is passionate about helping you achieve your masterpiece at RonaldGraves.com. Again, that's RonaldGraves.com. We hear it and read about it every day in the news.
2: America is heading over a fiscal cliff. it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America
0: Business Network. This is Coaching for Real with Ronald Graves. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also choose to send an email to ronald at ronaldgraves.com. Now, Back to Coaching for Real.
1: Welcome back. We're talking with Michael Mendes, founder and CEO of Tasty Minstrel Games, a multiple award-winning publisher of Hobby Board Games. Well, you broke for commercial. We've been talking quite a bit about kind of the nuts and bolts of how Tasty Minstrel Games uh, started and where it went in its beginning years. And I asked Michael... To think about is why. So I'm going to ask you, Michael, tell us about your why. Why TMG? Hey,
2: thanks, Ronald.
1: I uh, We actually have a fairly well-defined why, but it
2: has evolved over the years. So I'll start with what it is now as well-defined and then go through my personal process for that. So our why is to provide gamers with satisfaction. Uh, Dargon, he's the dragon in our logo. He, We talk about him as if he's the gamer's champion. And he represents all of us at the company. Like each of us make him up, but we also work for him. I'm uncomfortable with the idea that people work for me. Uh, so that's helpful in defining that internally. But Dargon being the gamer's champion really means that we consider what we want as gamers because we are all gamers and we do that. It's, it's as simple as that. That's our why. Um, it has evolved over the years. Uh, at one point in time, is about uh, healing the world uh, through games. I believe that a good game can change the course of a life. I've experienced that personally, uh, but also when uh, like interacting with people, close relationships. Most of my best friends are all gamers with myself. And so I've experienced that uh, that unity and communication benefits and the love that comes from playing games with other people. And so that is where we had our why defined until recently because we realized that the way we behaved as a company was more congruent with our our current why, that Dargon, the mascot, the guy from the logo, the dragon from the logo, the one that eats the minstrels and finds them tasty, is the gamers champion. Um, For me personally, why is simple. I love games, and they've impacted me. Ridiculously impactful for me in my life. Um, And so... That's the combination now personally I have a why of helping like the people who work here with me helping them grow helping them be better I try to well uh, yeah I try to I think I successfully do allow them as an aggregate to run the company this is not a uh, this is a dictatorship what I say goes but everybody who has their authority in their own sphere, they get to do what they need to do without any uh, worry about me coming down on them uh, or anything like that. Uh, So that's kind of a long winded version of our why it includes some other stuff, but
1: hope that helps. Yeah. I like that. Thank you. Michael TMG started out as a side business. You talked about that just a little bit ago about having the secure job and the children and the, uh, Cash to start, but take us to that next journey where you went from just a side business to now a million dollar company with your team of people. Sure, um, it it was a long road before I
2: felt comfortable enough to make the jump. Because at this point in time, I have four children. My wife stays at home, uh, you know, helping to raise them. She doesn't go out and work for money. Um, which is not, which is, It's just the way it is. Uh, she wants it that way. I want it that way. And so I was not going to risk that in order to, uh, move over to the game side. Uh, so it was January of 2014 when I hired the first person to help on the business side. I had my friend who was helping with finding games and developing, it was uh, about a year before that before I went full-time myself. Uh, and when, even when I went full-time, I was still receiving residuals from being a financial advisor because it's the kind of business where you can get set up, and then uh, your commissions continue to generate and you continue to be paid.
1: So it was that kind of a, a transition. So you took a fairly conservative path. You didn't just go, you know, one day just quit the job and the next day you're an independent entrepreneur. I deplore risk
2: of total failure. Okay. That's very sensitive. Risk of failure that is not going to be destructive to my life and those who I am responsible to.
1: That's okay. Risk of total failure? No. Okay. Got it. So you, you know, risk is okay as long as it's, uh, you know, kind of controlled risk. Uh, something that, that the downside is not, you know, like you say, a complete failure. All right. I want to um, ask you another question here. Uh, what were some, of the, you, you, this sounds like a period of pretty rapid growth. Is that, is that correct assumption?
2: Yeah, our, our, the first year that we sold payments, we, uh, I don't remember if it was, we had 62 or 128, but for every year after that, we doubled our revenue, uh, up to 500,000 and then we went from 500 to like 7, 800 and went from there to 1.1 1. 1 or so and then 1.4 or something like that almost 1.5 yesterday, but not yesterday,
1: last year, last year being 2015 in this okay. case. All right. That's good. Michael, I want to move into our coaching session now. Um, before we start, I, I want to talk a little bit about what coaching is now. Coaching, the coaching client partnership, the coaching session itself is a very, very personal session. In other words, I hold the answers that my clients give me in the strictest of confidence. But today we're on the air, so we're not in a confidential right. coaching session. So I want to honor you by what we're going to focus on today is on the things that you do, the thing your 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 greatest things that you do in your company, um, the things that set you aside from the rest of the competition. I want to focus on your strengths, your successes, and those things that uh, you can be proud of. So. The other thing about coaching is that in the coaching-client partnership, the client, and you in this case, are in control. So in order for me to start the coaching session, I have to ask you for permission to begin. So do I have your permission to begin the coaching session? Yeah. Yeah, I believe so. Okay. Excellent. Thank you. Michael, you talk about two things that your company is known for. Fantastic production and excellent customer service. Um, can you explain your production process for us and tell us how it sets TMG apart from the rest of the competition?
2: Okay. It goes, um, it goes back to the why, um, in being the gamers champion, uh, it is, we want the games that we want. Um, and we want them in the quality that we want, and we accept no less. Uh, so when it when it comes to a game that goes on the retail shelf, there has to be financial viability available, so it's not like we can put everything that we might want into a game. We have to be responsible for generating profits so we can uh, employ people and grow and all that. But our production process starts with what do we want this game to be? How would it be the best version of itself for us? And then we go through the process of making that a reality. That means that while we do often have outsourced graphic design work, illustrative work, uh, the one of the guys who coordinates that, he's very good at visual design. He just can't make the visual design Look pretty. So he will go through the process of essentially laying out the entire game, providing that to a graphic designer who then has to go through the process of making it look good, but then utilize that good information design. Um, when it comes to manufacturing, we use, who so I personally believe makes, uh, manuf- manufactures the highest quality things, games. Uh, manufacturing a game is not an easy, an easy item to do. To make one of our typical larger box games that has, uh, that has a retail price of $60 takes something like 180 to 120 separate actions that have to be done at the manufacturing facility. That doesn't even include some of the items that they, they source. Uh, you know, when they source an item, it might be one action to take that and put it in the bat, put that bag in the box, but at the the vendor that they source from, they have to do all their things uh, and so we, and we strive to communicate throughout that process, and uh, that is that combined with the experience of having done it numerous times has been uh, what has really led us to be able to be on the the forefront of high-quality production in addition to high-quality design and visual uh, integration of the game design with the materials and being able to play it.
1: Okay, you said, I'm going to go back to where you just sort of started, that you want what you want, and you want it the way you want it, and you really aren't going to settle for something that's less than what you believe it needs to be. Um, Are there times... When, when there are times that you maybe have to make a, you know, cut something that you don't want or change something that really doesn't feel right, how do you approach that?
2: Um, so, if it's all right, I like to reverse this question and say, okay. a, a, it, as if you ask the question, "What do we do when there's something that we want to do but we can't afford it?" If that's all right okay. with you. Yes. Okay. So, we came up with an interesting solution to this. Um, There are times where we know we want a game to have just these ridiculously wonderful components, and that's the version of the game that we would want to have. So, this is what we've done recently on Kickstarter projects. We call this the deluxified version. And we basically, we just, if it's the kind of game that we really, really love and we want it to have the best production, the kind of production that if it, the retail, if it went onto a retail shelf, it'd have to cost $150 to make our regular margin. So it's not something we're going to do that for the retail version. And we do what we call a deluxified version. And this is basically where people pay us the regular cost for the retail version, and then they pay us a deluxified premium, which is uh, the most recent time was $20. And we basically take that entire $20 and roll that into the upgrades. Uh, On the most recent thing we had, we changed little cubes from little cubes into uh, laser-cut little people because they are, uh, like, employees in this game. Um, We changed uh, punch-out tokens of coins into custom cast metal coins. We changed, uh, we changed, punch, well, like cardboard punch outs of, with pictures of items that you would, you would go and get these items and change them into different things. And that's how you're getting points and you get points to win. So we changed those into um, custom cut pe- wooden pieces, as opposed to the punch outs. And uh, that has been our solution to the situations where we want something that is significantly more than
1: what would be financially viable. So do you just have one version of the game or do you have the, the retail version right. and then the, the deluxified version?
2: Right. So I realized I skipped over something there. So we have the retail and, version and we have the deluxified version. The deluxified version is available... When we kickstart, because as long as we collect the money for sales that we know will happen, we can afford to make all those extra things, right? But cha- making the cost of a game three times what it would normally be, we can't afford the risk to print any, because we're not going to. We don't want to pay thirty, thirty-three dollars per game to manufacture it. However, when we collect sixty-five. In the case of the of the one I'm thinking of, Yokohama, when we collect 65 and 20 of that just goes directly to that to the the, the upgrades, then we're okay, and so that enables us to really give us our own consumers as people who work at TMG exactly what we want, and we make it available to uh, you know gamers around, and, and that has worked out very well for us.
1: So what I'm hearing is we've, we've got another situation here where you are managing the risk um, to, yes. to decrease the overall risk by absolutely collecting the money up front for the production cost for those people who want to buy the deluxified version. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Excellent. All right. The second part of that is the excellent customer service. Now, Everyone I know, every website I click on, they all have excellent customer service. Everybody I talk to, we got excellent customer service. But only a few can truly walk the talk. What, what's your secret? Well, it's extensive. Do we have time before commercial? We've we got, uh, we got two minutes. We've got two minutes. Is that enough time? Two or? minutes. I will you, give the brief version, and then I can expand after.
2: So the brief okay. version is, we strive to have, within uh, 24 hours, as long as it's a work day, response on any request and have it sent out, right? If someone says, hey, I was missing this thing, or if someone says, hey, my dog got into this box and chewed up the dice, I want those shipped out within
1: 24 hours, as long as it was a business day. That's a very short version. Okay. Good. We'll do the long version after the break. Excellent. All right, you're giving us a lot of information here um, on your kind of on your business plan, your marketing in a way, how you can upgrade, and um, how you manage risk. So uh, we are now approaching our last commercial break. When we return, we'll continue our coaching session. We'll get the long version here of how you uh, walk the talk of uh, excellent customer service. So stay tuned. We will be back in a couple of minutes. You're listening to Coaching for Real on the Voice America Business Channel.
0: Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Imagine a relationship where you're asked to think rather than being told what to think. A relationship that is focused on your potential, not your performance. This is coaching, a designed alliance where the single purpose is achieving your intended outcome. Discover that what lies behind you and what lies before you are trivial matters compared to what lies within you. Understand that your current realities do not define your potential. They are merely your current awareness of your potential. Become your own hero. Your greatest possibilities lie beneath your current level of self-awareness, waiting to be discovered. Choose to live into the greatness that God created for you. Discover the magnitude of what's within you so you can conquer the magnitude of what surrounds you. Your coach is passionate about helping you achieve your masterpiece at RonaldGraves.com. Again, that's RonaldGraves.com. If you are in the sales field or maybe don't even know that you are, you need a plan to be successful. Every day we are engaged in business and don't even realize that it all comes down to sales. We all have something to say and need to motivate others to the same way of thinking. Sales execution optimization, the new SEO, is the show that gets you thinking and speaking whatever the product or service. Host Bill Bush will give you the tips you need to succeed. Listen every Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific, on Voice America Business. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Is Coaching for Real with Ronald Graves. To reach the program today, please call 1 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. You may also choose to send an email to ronald at ronaldgraves.com. Now, back to Coaching for Real.
1: Hello, we're back with Michael Mendes, and we were discussing uh, production. We were discussing how you can fit to a Deluxified version of a game that uh, you know has a retail price on the shelf, but you can go to a higher level. And as we were sitting here in the commercial break, I'm looking at some of my, some of the notes I've been taking during the coaching session and realized that you know Michael has been implementing a lot of strategies that don't come from his financial background. A lot of manufacturing strategies, um, including lean and other things. And I'm the, the thought came to me is, you know, where did this all come from? that, that all of a sudden you've gone from Having no experience to add, to putting in some very very uh, I guess you would say leading edge manufacturing techniques in order to um, to get the product down. So can you can you kind of elaborate on that a little bit and tell us where you got that?
2: I will elaborate on that right after I give the slightly more expanded customer okay. service thing we promised everybody. All right. The basic thing is this: I'm a gamer. I love games. I'm excited about this new game. Let's say I order it online. Or I go to the store and I buy it and I bring it to game night and I open it up and pieces are missing. I went from super excited and loving it to crushed because, by the way, I got my friends excited to play and then we can't because whatever, some sort of defect. That is what we want to keep in mind whenever we get a request in that time and of that type. And I could talk about customer service for hours, but to the question you just asked: How do we? Uh, how did we get to a point where our manufacturing uh, methods are are much better than to be expected? Uh, well, the answer is we didn't get there uh, easily. It um, it took several years. I've been doing this for eight years now, uh, but we have a wonderful partner in it. Our partner, who manufactures manufactures in China, they are very humble about how to go about making something and so if we have a game that comes in and has a repetitive problem and in particular Belfort had this we had a situation where the wooden pieces that went into the game were uh, they were not uh, there were there was a lot of errors with them like, this one wasn't right that one wasn't right and I contacted them I said hey this is happening, it seems like a lot more often than it should be. I suggest making this change, requiring it from the vendor you're sourcing from, and I think, I don't know, I think maybe it'll reduce the errors. My proposal was that the vendor they were getting the wood from packages up each color individually, weighs them so they're verifying that the correct amount should be in each one, and then takes those and puts them into a master like one package that that one package then goes into uh, the game where uh, you know where where the guys we work with actually put it together so they implemented that the errors went down significantly and they they take suggestions like that from all of their customers and they implement them across the board to the benefit of everybody there are some out there who feel that they make the best stuff and that's that. And it's to their detriment because they, the we make the best stuff attitude while believing that we can't learn how to do better uh, leads to, well, not making the best stuff. And then other people are willing to learn.
1: So I guess you learned from, you know, it sounds to me like this situation. Um, what, what, did, what did you take out of that? What did you learn from that? I learned that the custom the the
2: the customer has to be satisfied with what they purchased. If the customer is not satisfied with what they purchased, granted they probably can't return it to us, uh they would have difficulty with that. Uh but they can very easily not buy your stuff. They can very easily say these guys are no good. Or if they are very pleased, these guys are wonderful. This game is wonderful. Okay. And the customer, listening to the customer and seeing a consistent error in, 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 in something means that there's probably a process further upstream than where the customer is that could be fixed or altered.
1: Okay, let's 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 just do a uh, for instance. Let's say you've got a customer who seems to just nothing seems to please that particular individual, even though you know that 99.9% of the rest of the customers are uh, are satisfied with it. What what would you do with me if I was you know always finding some little fault? Uh, if if it, if you're the same customer and it was across
2: multiple games, you mean like that? Yes. Okay, so there, we we do have a couple of people that are like that. Uh, anytime they have an issue with any new game, we address it, and we move on. And, and we, we hope that at some point in time, it's, it's, it's really strange, but we kind of hope at some point in time they decide to like us less. Uh, but there's only two or three people that really do that to us. And we, uh, we sell to approximately an audience of 24, 25,000 people. Um, at least not that they buy every game,
1: but that's, that's about where the size of our audience is probably a little bigger. Okay. That's pretty small percentage. All right. Let's talk about yeah. maintaining inventory levels. Um, Let's talk about how you reduce the finances needed to, or even maybe minimize the finances uh, dedicated to maintaining a good inventory level. Right. Uh, the way that we do that is by
2: being very active in understanding our sales data and understanding where the market is going. Um, The board game industry, like a lot of industries that depend on a distribution channel, is one where there's a lot of sales up front, and they can trickle off and/or fall off a cliff and be done. Uh, You know, because you're stocking the shelves, and if they don't blow off of those shelves, then uh, you know it drops off very quickly. And so, we have the combination of our experience, the combination of existing data. Uh, a combination of previous data for games that are similar, same price, same type of mechanics, theme, artwork. Uh, the, who the designer is can be a factor. We take all of that into account, and we, when we start, we print a low amount of copies. For us, this is usually around 3,000 units of a large game at this point in time. We can regularly sell that. Uh, worst-case scenario, we probably sell 1,500 at the beginning. Sales fall off a cliff, and then we actively uh, try to reduce inventory uh, over the next uh, couple of years. Okay. that is how we do that. We let we we put something in the marketplace, and we see how it is grasped by the marketplace. And if they like it, we make more. But we don't. We don't we ramp up. We don't go from oh well, the 3000 sold out immediately, let's make 100,000 or even 10,000 we'll make maybe 4000. You know, kind of depends. We have to, you know, put our finger in the wind and make some judgments and see what level of risk is
1: acceptable to us. Okay. Along that same line, how do you uh, reduce your print sizes without running out of games? Sure. We, we
2: can run out of games, that's definitely for sure, uh, but we ha- I, I put together a, um, a spreadsheet that has some relatively simple algorithms built into it, uh, accounting for like the most recent three months of sales, the six months of sales, nine months of sales, the variability of that, uh, to try to give us a measure of realistically how much we can expect to sell each month. And based on that, we develop a number of months of inventory remaining. And when something... If something is consistent and selling really well, it gets down to six months remaining. We'll hit the return button. Uh, it, The new printing will arrive in uh, in four months or so. And we... We get the new inventory in just as the old inventory is starting to sell out. That is, uh, optimally how it works. We do occasionally get shortages. One of the major difficulties is if we had something that is extremely popular and we don't know it and we want, we go three, four, five. Uh, one of the ways that we alleviate that is we have started extending our the benefits of Kickstarter to the partners that we work with in the distribution channel, taking pre-orders, and hopefully even getting pre-payments. Uh, and then we can make a number of units based on the pre-orders and potentially
1: the pre-payments. Let's, let's, since we're on the subject of Kickstarter, let's talk about how you've raised this money, $2.5 million, uh, with 26 individual projects. Let's talk about kind of the, you know, the, the I guess, the intricacies of, of, of doing that. You've you've, kept, you've talked about it a little bit in a couple of your answers here, but maybe you can give us a little better idea how the whole picture works. Sure. Well, first, it's taken six
2: years, so <laughs> there's that. Um, the Like most things we do, we do one at a time, and we try to do our best and keep people pleased. Sometimes... We don't. Ha- we have a new one that we run that before another one has been delivered. So while we've done all those projects, we have three right now that haven't been delivered, and they are. I think one is set to deliver in February, and one is set to deliver in May, and then one is set to deliver in June. Uh, so it's just on a regular basis, one by one. I mean mm-hmm. I wish I had a more a more profound
1: <laughs> answer than that. <laughs> That's a pretty good answer. That's a pretty good answer. Um, you know I'm really interested how where do we find find your games if we if we're interested in in some of your games and going to the retail market to find them or if we're interested in you know getting onto your network of gamers um, how can sure. we go about doing that? Okay,
2: so the best thing to do is to go to playtmg.com and ignore the website, uh, and just sign up for the email. There's a place to do that. Sign up for emails. Our website is being updated. This is one area where we fall on our face for a couple of years straight. I've been updating this website, but it actually should be launching in the next, uh, week or so. Okay. That's the, the best way to get information on a regular basis that gets you on our newsletter. Uh, other than that, uh, the easiest access way is to go to Amazon, and uh, our most accessible game is Martian Dice, um, and one of our best game, our best uh, larger box games. If you're into things like Settlers of Catan or Ticket to Ride, because uh, that those are the best sellers in the style of games that we make. Uh, look for Orleans, like the city in France,
1: or Scoville like the measure of uh, heat on a pepper. All right, give us that website again. Yeah, the website again is playtmg. t is in t g amazon minstrel g is in games playtmg.com. Excellent. Well, I thank you very much, Michael, for being on our show tonight. Incredibly thank interesting you, product line you've gotten your your business success story. It's it's just uh, I knew before we came on the air tonight. It was going to be, you know, a great learning experience for me and and I knew it was going to be exciting. So I do really appreciate your time. You bet. It was a pleasure. All right. All right. Coaching for real is about you, real people, real challenges, real breakthrough. If you're an entrepreneur or a business leader and are interested in being a guest on this show, please let me know. I'd be more than happy to send you an application. In addition, send me your comments, questions, Anything else that may be on your mind? I even welcome criticism and suggestions. Remember, this show is about you. I want to hear from you, the positive and the constructive. You can can contact me. My email address is ronald at ronaldgraves.com. That's ronald at ronaldgraves.com. It's been a sincere pleasure. With tonight's episode, we thank very much Michael Mendes and his company, Tasty Minstrel Games. Very interesting. And may the Lord bless you and keep you until we meet again. And we will see you back again next week. Good night, everybody.
0: Thank you for listening to Coaching for Real today. Be sure to join Ronald Graves again next Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific time and 7 p.m. Eastern time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll talk again very soon.